My name is Dana Levin. Welcome to the Exploration Medicine Podcast, a forum where we explore the history, current operations, and research-based future of exploration medicine. Each episode, we'll draw lessons from past explorers, sit down with those currently supporting expeditioners, and talk with the top researchers pushing back the boundaries of what's possible for human physiology. Along the way, we'll cover the physiology of putting a human body into environments it is not prepared for, and discuss the guidelines and research behind how we keep those explorers healthy. Together, we'll travel to the farthest extremes of human experience and learn what it will take to go beyond. Periodically, our listeners submit their own mini-episodes intended to share practical tips and quick topic reviews for expedition practitioners. This week is one of those times, and I'd like to reintroduce you to one of our regular contributors, Quinn Duferina an internal medicine resident at Stony Brook University Medical Center in New York. Today I want to talk about the rare but very interesting condition called seal finger. Now this may not be something that you see in your day-to-day practice, however it's a very relevant condition to polar medicine. Before we get too into the details, I'd like to start out with a case. This case was adapted from the Canadian Journal of Plastic Surgery. It starts with a 46-year-old man who presents to the emergency room in a rural Canadian town with about three days of pain in his right index finger. On examination, his right index finger is found to be swollen, tender, erythematous with decreased range of motion. He's diagnosed with a simple cellulitis, discharged to home with oral cephalexin, which is a cephalosporin antibiotic. Two days later, however, he presents to a different emergency room now at an academic institution, as his symptoms have worsened. Now his entire right hand is swollen, and the pain has worsened. Again, however, he's diagnosed with a run-of-the-mill cellulitis. This time, however, he's given IV cefazolin, again another cephalosporin antibiotic, and again discharged home. One day later, the pain continues to worsen, the swelling increases, and his range of motion is decreased even further. He goes back to the same emergency room, and at this point, he's referred to a hand specialist. Before moving on with the case, I want to take a quick step back and discuss some of the rationale behind the antibiotic choices and what the physicians were thinking. First, let's talk about cellulitis. Cellulitis is the infection of the skin, often caused by what we call gram-positive bacteria. Now, gram-positive bacteria get their name from the way that they look under the microscope After the gram stain, a staining technique is applied to them. Some common bacteria that are gram-positive are streptococcus and staphylococcus, which are very common pathogens that cause cellulitis. And the antibiotics that were chosen, these cephalosporins, belong to a larger class of antibiotics called beta-lactams. Beta-lactams work by binding to components of the bacterial cell wall and inhibiting cell wall formation, thereby killing the bacteria. Now keep this in mind as we discuss a little bit later in the podcast about what exactly causes seal finger. Now getting back to the case, now our patient is at the emergency room for the third time and has finally been referred to a hand specialist due to worsening symptoms. Now this hand specialist, after conducting a thorough history, discovers that the patient was about a week before the onset of symptoms out hunting and skinning seals. Now, perhaps this astute hand specialist had some knowledge of polar medicine, because it was at this time that our patient was diagnosed with seal finger. 
he was given two doses of doxycycline and discharged home with oral tetracycline for four weeks. After just a few days, the symptoms had dramatically improved, and at a three-month follow-up, function of that right hand had returned to completely normal. So what is Seelfinger exactly? Seelfinger is an infection caused by bacteria that is contracted after contact with seal flesh, essentially seal skin, seal blubber, or seal oral cavities. It often involves a finger and or entire hand and can affect the skin and or certain joints. Seal finger has been around for quite some time and is mentioned in the histories of cultures that have engaged in seal hunting. It's mentioned frequently in Nordic seal hunting traditions and in Norwegian it's called speckfinger, which translates literally into blubber finger. So it's been known for some time to be caused by contact with seals. With the discovery of germ theory and the development of antibiotics, it had been known for quite some time that seal finger was caused by a bacterial infection. It just wasn't until recently that the exact bacteria that caused the disease was known. In a comprehensive report of seal finger, written by the Norwegian physician and scientist Dr. Rodal in the 1950s, we see a case of seal finger in a young sealer. Similar to the case of the Canadian gentleman, this man was initially treated with a beta-lactam antibiotic. In Rodol's case, he does mention some improvement with the penicillin, which this patient received. It's not until the patient receives oreomycin, which was actually the first tetracycline antibiotic discovered, that his symptoms resolved completely. As the decades went by, it became clear that the proper treatment for seal finger was tetracycline-based antibiotics and not beta-lactams such as penicillins and cephalosporins, as mentioned before. What's interesting about this is that while it was discovered that these were the more effective antibiotics to treat seal finger, it wasn't until very recently that the exact bacteria that causes seal finger was discovered. And as we see in cases from the 1980s, 1990s, we see similar patterns of patients being misdiagnosed with general cellulitis, being treated with penicillins, cephalosporins initially, and only later being diagnosed with seal finger and being treated adequately with tetracyclines. The way that the bacteria that causes seal finger was discovered is actually quite fascinating. It comes from a case from 1998 in which a seal trainer in the northeast of the United States was bit by a seal and later developed seal finger in the index finger. Now, as this was a seal in captivity, they were able to both culture a purulent discharge, so essentially pus from the infected finger, and compare that with bacterial cultures from teeth gathered from the seal itself. After the bacteria were cultured from the wound and from the seal, they discovered that a bacteria that was identical in both samples was growing. This bacteria belongs to the genus called Mycoplasma. Now, Mycoplasma is the smallest genus of bacteria. For an example on the size, a common bacteria, E. coli, is about 10 times larger than the average mycoplasma. Another key component of mycoplasma is that they lack a cell wall. Now, if you remember back to how the class of antibiotics called beta-lactams, which includes penicillins, cephalosporins, function, they function by inhibiting bacterial cell wall synthesis, essentially attacking the bacteria's cell wall. 
As mycoplasma don't have cell walls, they essentially render these types of antibiotics useless. That is why sealfinger has to be treated with other types of antibiotics such as tetracyclines. Now the way tetracyclines work is actually very different. They inhibit bacterial protein synthesis by binding to the ribosomal subunits of bacteria. Therefore, they are unable to produce proteins and unable to replicate themselves. It's fascinating to think that for decades, sealfinger was known to be treated adequately just through empiric evidence with tetracyclines versus penicillin, cephalosporins. So while clinicians were able to discover that you could treat sealfinger effectively with tetracyclines, for the longest time, they actually didn't even know what the exact bacterial pathogen was. Sealfinger is an interesting condition for two aspects. One, it requires the clinician to have a good understanding of the microbiological basis of the pathophysiology of the disease, as well as the pharmacological mechanism of action of the drugs that you choose to treat it. Secondly, Sealfinger highlights the importance of a thorough history taking. Without asking about occupation and exposure history, it's difficult to imagine that someone would arrive at the conclusion and diagnosis of Sealfinger. I hope you enjoyed this mini-sode about Sealfinger a rare, albeit very fascinating, condition that is very relevant to the polar explorer. Now that you have that um, sealed within your memory, we'll see you in a couple of weeks with some cutting-edge research on how isolation affects the human brain. Once again, my name is Daniel Levin, and thank you for listening to the Exploration Medicine Podcast. A special thanks to our production team, Jeremy Seeker and Emily Stratton, and to Fenella Kennedy for inspiring the podcast itself. Music is written and recorded by David Keough. Please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. More information on each episode, including a comments board, is available on the website at explorationmedicine.com. And, as always, feel free to reach out with questions, comments, corrections, thoughts, or anything else by emailing us at podcast at explorationmedicine.com. Thanks for listening, and see you soon.